Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of AWS Bytes. AWS Bytes is the weekly show with bite-sized episode where we try to answer your questions about AWS. My name is Luciano and today I'm joined by Owen. So before we get started, let me kindly ask you to give us a follow and subscribe so you can be up to date with our latest news and every time we, we have a new episode. And the question for today is actually one I really, really like and I'm really excited about and is, is serverless good or bad if you are a startup? So I would probably ask you, Owen, first of all, to explain briefly, what do we mean by serverless? What do you think? That's a really good place to start because it means different pe- different things for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. And we could probably like divide it down into two categories. There's the mindset that serverless is all about using off-the-shelf managed services and offloading whatever effort you can to a third-party provider. Now, that could be AWS, but it could also be a, a provider of a specific service. Mm-hmm. So it could be like using DynamoDB as an example of a serverless approach, but also using Auth0 to manage your user accounts, authentication and authorization is, is serverless, or using Algolia as a search service. Uh, or even using something like uh, Firebase mm-hmm. is an example of a serverless approach. So that's one part, right? It's the mindset of just doing the simplest thing possible and getting rid of all the maintenance effort. But uh, the other perspective on it is, right, serverless is about using Lambda and API gateway and step functions. Um, and in order to take that approach, I mean, that is definitely a serverless approach because you're not managing any servers. But there's a trade-offs there, right? You you still have to understand how they work together, what are their limits, what are the failure modes, and how do you fit them all together to make a coherent system that you can sustain and is going to be robust. So then in that case, I give so much to think about, like how do you do deployment? How do you do security and identity and access management? How are you going to do local development? What about observability? What about infrastructure as code? Where do you store your secrets? You know, you get the idea where there's a lot of considerations. That's that's not everything that you have to think about. So it's not necessarily, de- depending on your perspective on serverless, I guess the answer is going to be different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it also depends what kind of startup you are and what kind of mo- mode you're in and what your goals are. Um, so that's that's the first thing. So, yeah, I will, I will say maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this later on during the episode, but I will say there is also a little bit of perspective of cost where to be serverless, it needs to scale to zero. So that can be yep. another thing that might be advantageous depending on the circumstances. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point because some of these approaches, like with with the third-party services, sometimes you you have higher cost considerations with Auth0 and and Algolia. They can be quite expensive in certain in mm-hmm. certain cases, so you do have to think about that. And unfortunately, it's a dilemma that startups will fa- find themselves in, where they feel they have they might have they might have no budget, and they might have time, but do you want to spend your precious time, you know, assembling lots of disparate AWS services, or do you want to be focusing on your business and product market fit? Yeah, exactly. So I, I suppose we can summarize what you just said from like the opposite perspective, like when it's not good. Mm. So if we if we okay. re- re- reiterate over what you just said, basically, I think if you are trying to, to build everything on AWS using the serverless services like Lambda, the function, DynamoDB and so on, 
of course there is a learning curve there so mm. if you if you're starting from scratch that's something that you're not going to acquire magically the next day like it's going to take you some time to to build up the knowledge and the experience with these particular systems and maybe you're coming from i don't know that type of company that has been using something like Django or Laravel or Express for a long time and you already have a set of tools and practices where you can be very, very productive with these tools, maybe it can be good for you to stick with the tools. Like if you're building a new product and you already have all that knowledge, you can focus on the business logic and get the product delivered very, very quickly. So in that case, if you're that kind of a startup, maybe serverless is not good for you. Mm. Um, yeah, I, th- I agree with that, Luciano. I'd, I'd also say, um, you know, if, um, if if you're coming from like that Django Laravel world and you, you know exactly what you're going to, what scale you're going to reach. So if, if you've got, um, if, you, if you've got a situation where you, you, you're not going to have bursty scale, you know, you mm-hmm. know, you've got a fixed limited number of users and the load is going to be pretty even then that's fine i mean serverless isn't uh it has there's a lot of benefits there but it's not necessarily simple out of the box you don't get simplicity mm. for free and sometimes people in the serverless uh on the serverless side of these debates present it as oh it's so easy to get started with and all you have to do to create a lambda function is follow these quick steps and then you already have a complete restful API open up and running. But the, the getting started costs and the getting started simplicity factor is just one part of it. What you really need to think about is what is the long term cost of developing, mm-hmm. changing and maintaining a system like that. So like while we were true believers in the world of serverless, like we try not to oversell it because you certainly can. And you have to understand that there is a cost to, to understanding how to build services on AWS. Absolutely. And I can, I have seen many companies that they are already struggling to move monoliths to the cloud because even Mm. just doing that, it's an effort on its own. So going to serverless is like an additional gear, right? So you you need to change even more. And sometimes you, you fail to account what is the cost for the company to do that. And it, it gets of course more risky, the more far away from your starting point it is that that particular target. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a trade-off. So you, if, once you understand that and you're happy to make that investment as you migrate, there is, there's definitely long-term benefits, but you should go into it with your eyes open. Mm-hmm. And maybe with a more gradual approach, but yeah, mm-hmm. let's maybe explore some of the goods, I guess. Let, let's say that mm-hmm. you are in a position where it makes sense for you to go with serverless, what kind of benefits? do we think as a um, as a user of serverless you are going to get we, we already mentioned the briefly that the cost can scale to zero which basically mm. means that uh, you provision a bunch of infrastructure maybe you are doing an mvp so you don't really have a lot of traffic maybe you have test users that you are onboarding and they will be using the system only for a little while and give you feedback and that's it I think that it's great to use serverless because you are only going to pay for that short period of time where you're actually using the system. So you can even afford to try a bunch of different things without being concerned of a very big upfront investment. So that that's definitely an advantage. What do you think? Is there anything else worth mentioning? 
Yeah, but cost is definitely a, a, a good one. Also in cost, I would say the what we really see with serverless is that it gives you a mechanism to have a low cost for innovation, which is really, mm. really important for startups. The ability to create complex systems pretty quickly once you understand how they all, how the services work and then refactor them, remove them. You know, you, everything you create is like this, uh, it's like this immutable infrastructure approach. So you can create massively scalable systems uh, without having to provision lots of infrastructure. So you don't have all that upfront racking and stacking costs that you would have with instances, machines, or Kubernetes clusters. You you can really you can really get like event-driven systems or web-based systems up and running uh, pretty quickly once you understand how these things work. And then, but then remove them right if they don't work. And that's really important for startups to be able to iterate quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's a really really big one. Um, so if if you have the skills, you understand how these things work, it's it's definitely a good approach to take. Um, but there's also, I suppose, going back to our first perspective, when we mm-hmm. talked about the definition of serverless, we talked about the two perspectives, and the first one wasn't necessarily AWS focused, right? It's like find the cheapest way you can build, you can get up and running. So if you're using a higher level of of, of abstraction, that can also make it a very good choice for startups because you're you're not necessarily going all in on AWS and understanding all how things work together, but you can use something a bit more with a higher level of abstraction. And I know in the last episode, we talked a lot about Amplify. So that's one way. If you understand the the, the things that Amplify is a good fit for, then why not use that? And there's also other systems like Arc, which is like a, a simple um, kind of well thought out developer experience that hides a lot of the complexity for you and makes the developer experience a lot more seamless and it kind of removes all these moving parts from you. Is yeah, I think uh, so this is something we mentioned even in the previous episode that mm. we, we have seen that AWS is recognizing that there is a need of a lower barrier to entry to all this ecosystem. Like AWS has always been a lot like it gives you a lot of control. You you can if you understand the details, you can do a lot of things that are actually very give you a lot of powers but it takes a while to get to that level of understanding and with amplify i think aws is recognizing that not everyone wants to start at that point maybe they need an easier way to get started maybe they need to be productive very quickly but then they also give you ways to go back to the the, the roots of every single system and get that control back after you have started so maybe amplify it's a good trade-off if you don't have all the skills you can get started and then later on, when you feel you are more confident, you can start to use other things or export Amplify to yeah. CDK and, and work with the services directly. Yeah. And we're kind of assuming, I guess, Luciana, that we're always dealing with kind of crowd applications and web-based front-ends and maybe mm-hmm. mobile front-end with an API behind it. So you're talking about like a, a REST API, GraphQL, some database in the background. But what if it's a different kind of ecosystem you're involved in? like? you're building at IoT devices and you need infrastructure to support that, or you have some sort of machine learning algorithm and you're building a service on top of that. Not everything is uh, API driven and front end driven. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the serverless equation fit into those classes of startup? Yeah, I think if we um, stick to that definition of serverless where you are basically using services that are most appropriate for your use case. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. I think AWS has a lot of services that can help you out. For for instance, in the case of IoT, you have all sorts of different services, even for instance, to provision the different devices, to mm-hmm. update yep. them, to keep them mm-hmm. in sync or in a network where they can talk to each other. Um, so the, definitely you are going to have big advantages in picking that option because otherwise you probably are on your own to rebuild all this infrastructure yourself. And similarly for machine learning, maybe not my uh, best area of expertise, but I know that there are, there are plenty of tools and services in AWS to basically satisfy all the different needs that you can have in terms of AI and machine learning. So if you are yeah. doing something that is... Mm. Uh, standard enough i'm gonna say probably you can just use something off the shelf like that rather than building from from zero your own uh, platform yeah i could definitely testify to that having worked with a startup previously that was had had developed uh, an idea around iot devices and a machine learning algorithm and it was actually astonishing for both me and for them how quick it was to be able to productionize, I suppose, a, a prototype that wasn't running in AWS, bring it into AWS with AWS IoT, Lambda Functions, DynamoDB, and machine learning all together. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, this would have been a, a project that ran into months or years. But in in, AWS, in the world of AWS IoT and things like SageMaker, it's dramatically reduced the amount of effort you have to mm. put in. Okay, maybe just to close this episode off, let's let's try to explore another final question, which maybe some of you might have, which is, what if you you don't have the experience yet to to go with serverless, but you see like a long term advantage in going with it? Because we, we described a bunch of pros of this approach, and maybe you see that that there is a lot of value in in some of these these things that we mentioned. Mm. So, what can you do, like? On one side, we said it's good for you to stick with what you know and be productive. Mm. On the other side, you might be missing out the benefits of serverless. So do we have any advice there? Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I think there's, yeah, it's, 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 I think the question itself should prompt people to think, okay, what am I optimizing for here? Am I up, trying to get to market quickly with the basic MVP? Or am I trying to strategically select a technology that's going to sustain me for years and allow me to hire developers in 18 months time who have the right skills to maintain this. And I think that's a really good one. It's a really good thing to think about. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess the answer I, I've kind of alluded to there, if, if you're willing to make that investment, you have the funding and you have the time. Say so if you're, if you're, if you're really going to focus time on building a complete product and you wanted to have a sustainable, stable technology set of choices underneath it, then absolutely go for serverless and invest the time in acquiring the skills, especially if you have the funding. If you're budget constrained, you're bootstrapping and you're trying to get something out there to onboard users quickly and you're happy to iterate and change the technology over time, then I would go with the technology, you know. Absolutely. What would you say? Is there any other way you'd respond to that to that question? Because I think that's probably the mm-hmm. most important question we're covering. Yeah, I think there might be another case where maybe you are a company that builds multiple products and you already have a bunch of different products in the market. Mm. If you are in that position, probably you can afford to experiment a little bit 
because yeah. it's always going to happen that in an existing product you need to build a new feature why not trying to build that feature maybe if it's not the primary feature of course with something like serverless maybe you're going to try to to run that particular functionality in a lambda store some data in dynamodb and that way you can have a very low risk way of starting to try out these technologies and probably at that point you can see a lot more clearly whether that technology is going to give you benefits or not also people in the team they, they can start to recognize uh, if they they feel more proactive uh, more productive in using these technologies if they can ship faster and at that point it's so new to decide okay i want to invest more or maybe my next product i'm going to try to build it from scratch using what i learned from these experiments so that, that can be another way, but I suppose that makes more sense for more established companies that are seeing a longer term uh, term return on, on this yeah. kind of mm -hmm. approach. And they want to de-risk, I suppose, jumping straight into serverless. Yeah, yeah good call. Okay, and with that, I think we have covered enough for this episode. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, please give us your feedback. Feel free to leave us comments or to reach out to us on Twitter or LinkedIn. And if you have any question that you would like us to address for the next episode, send it our way and we'll try our best to reply that question. And with that, thanks again. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.